No Guts, No Galaxy, MechWare podcast number 11. My name is Phil, and I'll be your host again tonight. It is January 18th, 2012, and tonight, again, we've got our cast and crew. Darren, you want to kick off the shout-outs? Hey, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to my wife and kids, and also my buddies in Tin Can Heroes and World of Tanks. All right, what about you, Brandon? Uh, hello, this is Brandon, also known as Patrick Kell. Uh, tonight I want to give my shout out to Marbo Belric and all the other potential new Lance mates as we move into a mercenary unit. Ooh, and details will come and follow. Alright, what about you, Greg? Who do you got tonight? I want to give a shout out to Nidian Masters, aka Jason. Really cool guy, he's been flying with me and Eve for years, and he is finally moving on to uh, a different project. So, wish him luck. I'm going to miss him terribly. Ah, no, Nidia. Oh, is he going to join us in MWL? I don't know. I would like well, him to. I don't know if he's for playing, but I have a feeling he will. He will. He will. He may he may lurk in the background, but he will. Alright, and uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my awesome girlfriend. She's actually in the other room. She's down visiting, and she is letting me do tonight's podcast without, you know, getting the glaring eye and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, props to props to her for letting me do that so we got a few things uh we want to touch up again uh letting you the community know what's going on uh first uh, thanks to mech tech uh for giving ngng a front page uh post and some links on their page and uh i mean you know i, I they did it on their own I, I got an email and i was like holy crap you know so it's really really cool of them um you know to obviously give us that honor and uh we will have someone from mech tech uh, on the show in the near future when the, the time is right and ripe. So uh, just letting you guys know uh, that's going on. So again, thank you. Um, thank you, Mech Tech. Uh, just a reminder, uh, units, uh, if you're forming up out there, we have a TS3 just for you. Um, you don't have to pay for it. Uh, you can use it. Uh, unit leaders, you don't have to worry about um, you know people hopping in your room. You have full access. You have privileges you can create all the works um, and we want everyone sort of centralized because uh, a lot of the problems in communities in the past is it gets spread out so again we have that TS3 info uh, if you're a unit leader we'll hook you up set you up and uh, get you room and all that stuff so come say hi guys up. we have room for up to 250 people and we're not even you know getting close to even half that so bring it yeah and if we need to down the road we'll worry about more so you know when that time comes and uh, you know one of the last things, we've got two things left. We've got the uh, No Guts, No Galaxy winner art contest and story contest almost coming to an end. Uh, we've had uh, quite a few submissions for story, but we haven't had actually that much for art. And I know actually there's a few guys out there finishing details, but uh, get them in. Um, they, the, it's the 18th right now, but the 20th is the deadline. Uh, we will do future contests. We know um, there's other people that want to wanting to do a little bit more or different sort of things. Uh, so um yeah some of you artists uh you know if you're if you're fooling around with art and you want to submit it or whatever please do i'd love to see some uh good artwork and uh we definitely need more submissions so please get that in within the next couple of days if you're anywhere close and again 
uh, we're not taking this art. We're just hosting it for you on the site, giving you due credit, and you know you can win prizes. So I mean, it's all win-win. So getting your stuff out there. And last but not least, uh, we've got again our newest member, uh, Adam, aka Seth, uh, working on the new site. Um, it's looking amazing. Uh, it's from someone who doesn't crap about websites or how to build them. Um, it's very very cool. It'll allow. It's you just guys got a lot of. Us- buttons that he likes to push and so he's happy it's going to allow you guys to give us direct feedback right there on our site um it's very very cool and uh so stay tuned so i think i should mention i've seen a build of the site it looks like a site that i'm very familiar with actually operating and maintaining and trust me the community is going to love this site and the interactivity and just the sheer velocity that we're going to be able to put content up out here and elevate user content so I'm really excited about this. So direct here, feedback here. from you guys, from us, from the de- everyone. It's it's going to be right there at our fingertips. So we're really yes. excited. Good job, Adam Seth. Yes, awesome. And all right, let's let's move on to the juicy shit. All right, because we got some unique stuff going on tonight. Again, I want to remind the community uh, from the devs themselves. You know, keep updating the wiki. Uh, new information's coming out. You guys are doing awesome work. Keep doing that. Uh, keep an eye out on the MWO Facebook page. I don't know if you guys have been noticing, or some some people may not even be following. I know some people don't like Facebook. It's understandable. I understand. But some of these little tidbits they're releasing aren't released on their web page or even Twitter. So check it out. You know, it's one of those things. Maybe you just. You just go to their MWO, uh, you know, site on the Facebook, but you don't have to register. I mean, you can see it without registering them. And uh, so we got something special for you guys tonight. Now, last week, <laughs> the devs, being the you know torturing, villainous, evil people they are, because they like to taunt us with you know like, hey, we're doing a play test. This is really freaking cool. And they leave us hanging. Bastages. Yeah, just evil. <laughs> we love them. It's like crack. One of the cool things uh, is I, I got in contact with them, and you know, you know what they said? They said we're gonna hook you up. We're gonna give you something that we're not releasing to the community. And they uh, said, uh, "Get this fuck out of our facility, uh, Phil." And if you're here again, we're calling the cops. <laughs> and I was it's like, "All right, all right, all right." <laughs> but for real, for real. If you had a sister, no. So tonight. We're get, we're gonna give you a breakdown of that playtest, um, and uh, I just gave this to the guys because I just got it today. And keep in uh, mind, this is one hundred percent exclusive. Nobody else has this. No one, no one. Well, besides yeah, us, no, in the yeah, desk. Besides us, in the desk. So I'm gonna just basically read it, and uh, you know, if I screw up, I screw up, and uh, you know, troll me in a little bit later. This so is, we've got this is a playtest breakdown. Just you know, basically. Sort of what the gist of it was, and so the situation, the situation. All right, we've got uh, basically, uh, you know, obviously in-house they're developing. You're gonna have people talking crap against each other, like and whatnot. So this is the situation. They've got four trash talkers going into a two v two grudge match. One team takes Jenners. One team takes Hunchbacks. Paul and Brian are in the Jenners. Matt C and Rush. Uh, Russ are in the Hunchbacks. So, very cool situation right from the get-go. The Jenners start with a 2v1 advantage due to the second Hunchback spawning far back in the map. 
little bit of a detail right there. It is like a scene from Jurassic Park with two high-speed Jenners acting like raptors running circles around the lone hunchback. But then, out of nowhere, the second hunchback arrives where both Jenners back off in a creepy fashion. Matt C. said it looked really awesome as the Jenners started to backpedal. I mean, you can sort of get a sense of, you know, the strafing run, circling. He's not able to hit very well. And then, boom, his buddy shows up and they're having to, you know, readjust Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. In the initial contact, Paul takes severe damage, but is still hobbling around. Um, he tries to flank Russ because he's about to die, but Matt C. is on the high ground and sends Paul to an early death. So, uh, the hunchback gets high ground, the Jenner's not paying attention, boom, he's down. Dead. Brian takes on both hunchbacks as Paul starts whining about how he got <laughs> cheap-shotted. Then, Sounds like Alex. Yeah, then you can almost imagine this. Then comes the funny yell from across the studio floor. Sorry, Matt. Matt sees Hunchback is in a smoldering pile of metal after Russ unloads his AC-20 into the back of Matt's AC-10. head. AC-10. In, in a classic case of friendly fire. So it's run around. Next thing you know, he gets friendly fire to the back of the, the cockpit. Boom. Now, gets blown now this detail... It's listed as an AC-10. Is this a tell that these hunchbacks are going to come in variants? Because I think there is a version of the hunchback that comes with an AC-10 and more armor or something like that. Let's touch on that in, in a second, because we got a lot of stuff with the Q&A, I think, that will address some of the questions. But going on. Brian is still holding his own, and Paul finally spawns back into the match. Now, this is a test build, so the spawning is active. I know. How many people just... Yeah, oh my gosh, no. People just broke her mouse out of frustration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, and so then Paul crests the hill where the fighting is happening and instantly targets the hunchback shooting at Brian. It's Russ. Time for payback. Again, Paul and Brian start running circles around the hunchback and they, they send Russ into a, a state of panic resulting in his battlement crumpling into a pool of molten metal. After the intense firefighting, the result was Team Hunchback having two more kills than Team Jenner. But it wasn't easy for them, to say the least. One fo funny moment, Brian and Paul running at full speed. Paul right on Brian's tail. One of the engineers comes by and says, Hey, if you press B, it brings up the battle grid. And Brian says, Oh, really? And apparently press B because <laughs> as soon as he does it, his Jenner comes screeching to a halt and Paul tried to not run directly into the back of Brian but failed miserably and slammed. See? Again, sounds like Alex. You know, just, hey, you know, if you press, you know, control, delete, you know, it'll get you out of there. And so, there you have it, gents. That's the playtest. Uh, a lot of juicy details in there. And I think, uh, just like uh, Greg was saying, you know, there's one, they've mentioned AC-10 before on the Hunchbacks. They've... Um, they broke down some of the module stuff tonight, and we're going to dive into that. But what do you guys feel like? I mean, um, just reading that, you know, what, what's your first impressions? There's a game out there that exists. <laughs> it's, it's not that was my vaporware? first impression. What do you mean? It's not yes. vaporware, is it? It's not quite an in-game screenshot, but almost for people with imaginations. Since it was a playtest, I was looking more at the balance issues and mechanics issues, and I think it seems about right. In fact, I'm surprised the Hunchback team didn't do a little better than they actually wound up doing. Another thing that I thought was very interesting was the spawning that was mentioned, that your team isn't going to start on the map together. 
and that could potentially cause some very interesting situations, luck-based, well, but still interesting, where maybe your assault mech starts very far from the rest of you and get picked off. And that yeah, could and be a, a, a specific match style, like maybe there's some, you know, matches where you spawn together, somewhere you don't, or whatever. Well, and, you know, it goes to show that, uh, you know, yeah, spawning actually isn't going to be on there, but that initial spawn where, you know, the drop zone, you know, uh, drop zone Alpha, Beta, and Charlie, you may have different drop zones. So you may want your generous in front, you know, you may want your, your scout, your, your light mechs up front right off the bat, because if you don't, then they have to, you know, it's it's twofold. You don't want your salts and heavies out there without any eyes and ears. So the one thing that I really liked about this, obviously, was it, it seemed fun. I mean, just, just reading it, sort of that. It evokes the feeling of giant mechs battling molten metal, things blowing up. Big weapons firing. I mean, you know, you can you can just feel this well, game. No, no, I, I think I said that wrong. You know what it invokes in me? Jealousy. I wish I was playing it. That's that's, yeah, that's no what I wanted up. to say. I was I, I couldn't quite find the word, but yeah. So, devs, guys, um, devs, PK will send you a thousand dollars if you let uh, me and Alex come and play the the test. I, I will right? put Alex on the street. I mean, he's already <laughs> out there. I mean, at least he can make me some money. So. NGNG uh, road trip 2012. We're gonna all get in a car and drive up. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have a convention. By the way, devs, if you haven't already planned one, do one. I know. Uh, anyways, we'll talk about that later. As far as units and uniforms and whatnot. Yes, I said uniforms. All right, so we're gonna move on to the Q and A number three, and a lot of cool things here that we've talked about, and basically, you know. There was a little speculation, and they confirmed some of it, and you know, uh, gave us a little bit more insight. So the first thing we're moving into is modules. All right. So basically, they had um, uh, they had Matt, Craig, Brian Ekman, Paul. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name again. And screw that one up. David Bradley, Garth, and uh, Matt Newman. So Matt, Craig, and Matt Newman. Two different Matts, by the way. And the first question and well i should say it wasn't a question but they they took a whole bunch of questions about the module system and sort of summed it up for us and so um the gist of it is modules uh they basically broke it down they said for every talent unlocked in the pilot skill tree the player unlocks a module player can now purchase the module in the store and these are purchased with c bills so again uh, they're using c bills and loyalty points two different things um, every battle mech will have a specific amount of slots available for modules. The number of slots will vary depending on battle mech chassis the player choose uh, to play with. The device uh, houses the modules is a small electronic device that has no effect on battle mech weight or critical space. So, one of our questions last week from the dev or for the devs was: these models is it just electronic warfare? Is it weapons and whatnot? And I think that just answered it right there. These are electronic or equipment that has no effect on your weapons. This, uh, that's the gist of it I got. So you may have X amount of slots per mech for these modules, and you get to plug them in. I mean, is that what you guys got out of this? I didn't get necessarily that there aren't modules that will affect weapons. They just didn't mention any. Um, 
basically what I understand modules as being is just modifiers of equipment that you already have or skills that you already have or whatever. It's not bringing anything new to the table, but it modifies. Well, what I'm saying is um, we didn't know if these modules were actually the weapons themselves. Right. Now we know that. It's, it's like a motherboard with RAM sticks that you plug in or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Go ahead, Craig. Well, uh, me, it just sounded a lot more like uh, player customization towards how they wanted to play. Like, for exactly. example, the um, example they give is with the night vision and how one of the modules, if you add it, it makes night vision clearer, but it reduces the range that you see. Like if I were in one of those hunchbacks, that's probably the module I'd want to use. Yeah, And, you know, it's really cool because... Uh, they basically say that all mechs have a, like, they're not, the light mechs aren't going to have more, but the light mechs will be able to use different modules. Um, so, you know, it's like a set amount, now granted that may change, I mean, we don't know, but depending on how many models you have and what your, your pilot skill tree, you're going to have a lot of variety. Because, I mean, even if you have, I mean, crap, five different things five different module slots, but then there's how many unlocks for it? I mean, you've got a combination there of... Yeah, you know, this stuff really gets me excited because I love the ability to... You get in the game, you figure out what you're good at, and then you can customize yourself to be even more effective in that role. Yeah, and so... Um, I think what the really cool thing is, is... There's going to be trade-offs. I mean, they basically said with the, the night vision that they have an enhanced, which basically means closer targets, really nice, crisp, clear, you're going to be able to see. But you lose the depth, the farther away targets range. aren't as clear. And so you can almost imagine that, say you are close range uh, group and you're going around and you don't necessarily need that long range. I mean, it's sort of one of those things you just skimp out on. You don't really have to worry about it. And, you know, you throw in passive radar, you throw in... I mean, especially... Uh, I should say, specialized gangs would be able to, you know, like, utilize it really, really well. Um, in a variety of ways. So, that's, that's what I took out of the module system. Now, we don't know how they're going to do the crit space or the weight or weapons i mean so far it looks like just equipment all right so next we've got a question uh from <laughs> do you want to pronounce this one uh darren it's our uh it's our it's it's squiscar squig elf all right come on so you've been got... watching a lot clips uh, i get um we went through this last time you yeah. gotta watch that obviously i saw him do a guitar solo and defeat a dragon <laughs> So, so I know asked, who he is now. Yes, he's a anybody... Gmail center. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're focus. Clear. Focus. Focus. Gmail. What did he ask, BK? <laughs> he asked, can anyone use the battle grid or will it be linked to other commander-specific models? And the basic answer is everyone will be able to use it. But those with commander abilities will be able to issue orders through it and receive more detailed information. And the um, reason why this is great is because in an organized uh, mercenary unit where you have designated commanders and not everybody can be drawing, is that means less penis. What, what do you mean? You don't want more of that? <laughs> Every game I've ever had where everybody can draw on the map, it's just penis, penis, penis. 
very very annoying or uh world of tanks you remember <laughs> like clicking on like stuff just to <laughs> eve so uh, i like that the ccp developers actually have an official term for this process because it happens so frequently in eve it's called ttp time to penis <laughs> it's the <laughs> estimated like delay a between That's releasing a feature and players using this feature to draw a phallus. And wow. yeah, not even joking, stations being bubbled uh, in shapes of and or. Oh, gosh. Hands, so, alliance logos, you name it. I just like the idea that um, everyone and their mother, well, granted, if they train it or maybe it's. Uh, we'll find out more information as far as when we start seeing video on how, but, um, you know, especially in your group, you don't have to worry about uh, everyone and their mother. But, I mean, for those who are going to be playing competitively, you're going to have people who are assigned to do it anyway. It's not like you're going to have, you know, the guys, well, unless goons come over to you. <laughs> I've already seen them on the forums. But no, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, man. They've been here for a while. <laughs> no. Hey, I told uh, you I don't read forums much. All right. So. Well, at least it'll be twelve verse twelve, so that's helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the blob, <laughs> the swarm. All right. <laughs> the swarm can watch in spectator mode. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Um, and if you guys don't know what we're talking about, don't worry. You'll find out eventually. So um, we're gonna move on to the next what question, and it says, uh, "Does this mean that if I'm in a catapult and?" An enemy mech is detected behind a hill, and I don't have direct line of sight. I can still launch LRMs at him, and they would arc over the hill and hit him. And that was from Vanilla G. And basically they said yes. Um, once that target data from an ally is collected, you have it. You'll be able to lock on to that enemy and indirectly fire LR uh, LRMs. Now, when it says lock, does that mean they're going to be accurate, though? I mean, when we're talking about indirect, well, indirect is like already, you know. Will there's... we be able to lock onto them, or will somebody have to be like laser tagging them? Um, if my mechanic knowledge is roughly correct, you should be able to fire the missiles. If they include a module-like tag, it will probably increase their accuracy. Same thing with the narc beacon. As, but I mean, keep in mind this is a, this is an actual game, not just a tabletop. So there's going to be things like environment. Maybe they're underneath some trees or something that might, you know, have a few missiles explode on the way down without actually connecting with the target. Yeah, well, basically, like that. MWLL has still, this feature. Well, if they're standing still, they'll get hit. But I mean, firing missiles indirectly at a moving target, it's very, very difficult to hit. So that's what I'm picturing is, yeah, you can stand still and you can arc missiles over. But I mean, if you're smart, you know, you you're always moving, right? And then tag and uh, narc and bap and all that will help you know, increase the accuracy. My issue with uh, some of this, I, I like that they're doing indirect fire. I think that's a good way to make information warfare important. But, uh, and I know there is only so much you can address this issue with in terms of the Battletech cannon and mechanics, but only having LRMs as the weapon that can do that seems to me like um, lances will probably just because it's the dominant strategy, favor heavily into LRMs like catapults and things like that. And eschew other fighting classes. And that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, we've seen that, uh, Darren, in MWLL. I mean, mm -hmm. some maps works really, really well, but you don't play your cards right. It, yeah, it's not a 9 Yeah. 
Well, you're about to have your pants dropped. I mean, yep. you know, if, if something close range gets up on you, there's nothing you can do. Um, but what I'm wondering is, and they, and they cover this later on, but they talk about passive and active radar, and they basically said you're able to go passive and active. Yeah, which we didn't if, think was going to be the case, right? Yeah, so if you go passive, though, someone won't be able to target you, or will they? You know, and that's um, maybe a little bit more info and clarification on that uh, they didn't mention. But if you're passive, someone can't really lock on to you, or is it one of those things that, it locks onto you, but you can't gather information. We'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit because one of the questions is specifically to targeting and, and what that data. Um, but definitely a lot of LRMs, I mean, I think it's an effective thing, but you don't want it overwhelming to where you've only got, you know, two light mechs running around gathering information and everything just lobbing in missiles. But they also said those missiles aren't going to have uh, or have to basically. If you're standing in front of a hill, they're just going to go right in the hill. So either you're going to have to arc your mech or be at a higher terrain level or, you know, like if you're behind a building, you don't want to be right up on the building. It's just obvious physics and trajectory. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that answers uh, some cool stuff. Uh, but we'll dive into the, uh, the question when it comes. Uh, the next question is... What will happen to a pilot when their mech is destroyed from the angle of information warfare? Will the pilot be booted from the match, allowed to observe as a spectator, or locked to their destroyed mech with a voluntary or involuntary ability to exit? I loved Paul's answer here. Yes, you want to sure. read it? <laughs> yeah, Paul said, uh, if it were up to me, we'd format your C drive. And yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. Um. And basically, they, they said there will be no free roaming spectator mode. Dead players will likely see their destroyed mechs for a few seconds and then be able to cycle through the viewpoints of their living allies. And I, you know, we did talk about this in, the, in you know past podcast because as soon ghosting. as you allow them, yeah, ghosting people use TS. We're using TS. Uh, it, it allows those who do play competitive to get an unfair advantage. Nice. Now, when it says you'll be, uh, you can switch to the perspective of one of your live players. I'm assuming that's first person only, right? Yeah, it, it says there um, allow spectators to view what the current target view pilot can see. Right. And I think it'd even be even cooler, even if they they, they could technically do a um, behind the mech or on the mech shoulder or something like that. But then they would have to code in that they can only see what the pilot technically sees and then you got even more of a pain so i would even say straight from the cockpit shot that way they can't see anything uh, outside of what literally the mech warrior the pilot can see um well yeah i mean that you know we, we'd like to think people play fair I mean, yeah bullshit if you ever played eve you know or if you played any game nowadays i mean People and especially player base, especially in uh, competitive play, will find any and any way to come out on top. Anyway, way, shape, or form, anything. And unfortunately, that's just how it is, right? So you take that ability away so they don't have to worry about that, all the better, in my opinion. I know that sounds sort of bad, but it's the truth, you know? So. Greg, do you have any, you know, opinions about that as far as, you know, what you agree, disagree, like, not like, screw it, whatever? Uh, I tend to agree with you. Uh, putting constraints on player action. Uh, 
doesn't really work out too well. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to the next one. We got, what kind of information does surveillance give? Positions of enemies on the map, communication, etc. Um, and position of all units, yes. Communications, no. This, and, I thought, was very interesting phrasing of response. Because from a previous thing that they had put out, they sort of implied... Like, if you had sufficient surveillance or specific types of equipment, you might be able to find out information that your enemy knows. Like, know what they know, kind of thing. So didn't I don't know how you're going to do that without the communications aspect of it. Well, didn't, didn't in Battlefield 2142, you could actually hear in-game communication of the other team, I believe? I, like, that just, for some odd reason that pops in my head that that actually happened uh, in-game voice. Um, and so, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could. Um, if someone's listening and wants to correct me on that. But I, I remember there was something to, along those lines that communication, maybe not being able to block that, because obviously people use TS3 or whatnot, but to hear the groups that are using the Game Voice, um, you know, wh what they're doing and whatnot. Now, if they're speaking in Russian or English, then I guess it doesn't do crap for you. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, obviously the position of the units. Now, they go in later to, to basically say that um, surveillance as far as uh, satellite and stuff and, and optics, we're going to have a varying level. So you may do a sweep with um, infrared, but if you're on a, uh, you know, cold, cold planet and the mechs are relatively cool, are you going to see anything? So, you know, it might be one of those things where... You use mag mag scan instead, you know. So my Macs are always gonna be cool because <laughs> he's gonna be firing ACs. All right. So the next question is about uh, it's how the draw distance of graphics affect affect the um, the line of sight details, and will there be hard stop on draw distance, and therefore a max limit to actual line of sight? Um, I'll just read this, and then we can sort of talk about it. Um, that Paul says. He'll let Matt answer this, and Matt says, <laughs> LOSD is related to the rendering, but not directly linked. So if we decide to limit the range uh, separate from the draw distance, we can. At this time, we don't know if limiting it will be necessary or not for gameplay. From a technical standpoint, there's nothing stopping the range being whatever we choose. As um, long as everybody's on a level playing field, I, whatever they do is what they do. So, you know, I think this question is more geared towards if I'm at a thousand and you're at 1200, you've been able to see me and I'm not able to see you just because of maybe graphics or whatnot. I think that's. Yeah, the somebody gist with of a better it. graphics card shouldn't have a total advantage of line of sight, you know, a greater light of scientist. Agree well, there. I mean, detail maybe because that, that just right. might be a technical need, but. It definitely shouldn't completely block someone out where I, I don't know you're there, but you know I'm there because of the hardware on your PC at home. I mean, hardware on the mech? Duh. Okay. Yes. But it shouldn't be a real-life technical limit. Now, Brandon, you were going to say something? Yeah, you, you'd run into the old Battlefield 2 syndrome where actually instead of having better computers, oh, the people with less computers could actually, because it didn't render the distance, if you were laying in the grass... 
you could see people because your computer didn't render it. And if someone had a better computer, you'd be hidden because it would be able to render it. So. Yep. Yep. Again, players doing whatever they can to get the yeah. Um, the, the one thing is, I think what we're going to see is a very rich, dynamic uh, map settings, environments, and whatnot. Um, <laughs> was that what was that the clouds parting? What was that? Was that? The uh, I just want to see this so bad. I know, I know. We just keep talking and talking and talking. I want to see this, man. And and devs uh, again. I don't want to hit hit it on the head here, but you know, Darren's getting old. I mean, we we don't. I don't have much know, time left, man. You know, so you know, give 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 a dog a bone. You know, please. Just <laughs> Even though my last name is Hats and not Dogs. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right, uh, but the the biggest thing I took out of that was just just like we touched on, not not being able to see where you're getting hit because there are limits uh, in the engine. And obviously, you know, that would not be cool. But as far as the maps and the, the environment, um, I, I think we're not going to see some of the issues in the past mech games. Like, you know, I remember uh, Dust Bolt and Lunacy and some of these older maps. Um, there you able to see, you know, targets way, way off. But as soon as they stepped like that one meter behind, I mean, they just disappeared and whatnot. But they could still hit you, you know. Here comes a light goss or something. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, we've got in reference to the object and waypoint markers. Will these markers be added by the unit commanders or set by the matchmaker? If they're added by players, is this the sole realm of commander? Or can all units add um, add to it in the map? And they basically said uh, most orders will be only be able to place by those pilots who have invested in commander modules. Um, which is really cool because I mean, right, right there, that that sort of tells you they're going to give up something to gain something. Uh, just like how we said, them looking at the map continuously, they're going to give up, you know, situation awareness. But yeah, that and being in the fight. The exception is that everyone will be able to issue basic commands such as "Help me!" Help me. Attack, you know, and uh, to allies and all that. So. I like it just for the fact that I'm not going to get spanned with go here, defend here, do this, do that. Um, but I think that was a given though, because we're not playing random battles. We're going to be in a part of a Merc unit uh, name forthcoming. And it's, you know, we're going to have people in command spots that we want to be in command spots. Now we are though, we are, yes. though. but the majority of matches that are going to occur too, there's going to be a lot of just, matches with random people together and the ability to i would say rally the the, the collective minds together right it would just be... think of world tanks and how many people go in there and you've got you start of a match you've got five different people giving five different orders to everybody <laughs> <laughs> give me support i'm going in yeah ah, leroy jenkins <laughs> yeah. now the cool thing about this, though, is it is allowing... It's giving a commander tools, though. I mean, we have them in, like, EVE, but they're very, very limited, right? I mean... Well, in the right hands, in the hands of a capable commander, this is going to be awesome, you know? And, uh, like, I, I love when they give people in the command positions, because I think that that... Well, anyway, I won't... I won't go off on a tangent but i think this is a cool answer and i like the fact that uh commanders are going to have above and beyond 
a lot of data I think will be coming incoming to the commanders and being able to balance that. So I mean you can almost imagine you know, you do invest in those commander modules and maybe you choose a particular layout to sit back or sort of in the, the shadowy darkness, you know, in the back, you know, ground and I would love to see a command mech combine with a commander with all the command modules and see, you know, what the resources available to that commander is. I, it's, I think that's really going to be uh, pretty awesome. That would be beautiful. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on to the next one because this one's a little juicy. And he says, you state details on a target are not inclusive. Does this mean that mechs with particular modules will be able to better obtain detailed information regarding a target? If so, will they be able to propagate the data instantly to other teammates who are carrying particular info-sharing modules? And this is Aegis. And here's the answer, and I really like some of this information. There will be various levels of detail when you target an enemy. Granted, I'm saying this, it's interesting because in previous titles, you target an enemy mech, you basically you get the damage right away, you get what mech it is right away, Boom, right there in your face. The levels that you can access will be determined by how long you target the mech, as well as which modules you have equipped on your own mech. For example, you may be able to first just target and track the mech. Then after a couple seconds, your computer identifies it's an atlas. And then you receive report from your scanners about the mech's overall damage to, you know, stats. If you have specific module equipped, you would then receive a detailed damage breakdown of the mech components. This information will be shared to your landsmates if, as you gather it, but they may require their own modules or other equipment to receive some more advanced scans. So this level of target acquisition, this is pretty much a first for a mech game, correct? As far as MechWarrior is concerned, yes. Unless, uh -huh, unless MechTech, now granted I haven't played since they took over and they've been doing all the updates. So I know they've implemented a lot of stuff that I didn't get, you know, to touch base with. This isn't completely uncharted territory. I forget which title it was. I want to say three, but that might not be true. Did Chromehounds um, do anything like this? I didn't play it, but... No idea, but I, I do remember that you could pick up uh, the target, but you wouldn't get a look at its um, wireframe until you actually had direct line of sight. I forget which title that was. Because wireframe, that was only Mech 2 and the resulting. I, I think what's really cool about this is it's going to give pertinence to keeping your eyes on the target and, and keeping that information warfare up and running. You know, having knowing and where your enemies are, keeping your eyes on them, or at least in the general area. But then also, you know, if you're talking there's 12 enemy mechs, knowing where people are as far as, okay, well, hey, I just spotted, you know, uh, Mr. Smith over here and Mr., you know, Jack over here, and knowing the difference of, okay, well, you know, that hunchback's really, you know, hurting. Let's go for him compared to, oh, well, you know, such and such mech, you know, he, he's bright and shiny. Um, it brings up an interesting point. I wonder if part of the detailed information will be the player name, or if that's something you'll get up front. This might be interesting if you're tracking, say, a team that has multiple players in the same mech chassis. 
maybe one's the commander, you're looking for him, but that's not readily apparent because you have to spend time evaluating who's who. Do, do you think we sh they should? I, I mean, personally, I think they should keep that all... Uh, you shouldn't be able to know. Because just like you said, what, what happens in EVE with FCs a lot? They're yeah, it's trying to get... They're screwed. What I like about this is, to me, it seems to be adding just more levels of realism to, you know, to draw you into this game and feel like you're really there. I like the that you have to keep your eye on them. You know, if you want detailed information, then you better sit there and, you know, be well hidden to get it. I mean, I'm fine with no names. I would like to have some way to identify the enemy commander. I think that would be important, even if it's just a module that's only accessible to like. He's, he's the mech in the background sitting totally still. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's that balanced guy who he's, you know, on top of his game and he's set up his systems to where he can get information really quick, but he can also participate in the action. I mean, that's sort of what you'd want, right? I mean, one mech right, but out maybe of there's like a, like a big antenna sticking out of his cockpit or something that if you have a, <laughs> a really detailed scout that really gets the drop on him and has good uh, sensor resolution can sort of notice it and relay guys maybe, kind of atlas here visual. this part of the map it looks like this might be the guy let's try him well maybe it's visual you know maybe it's the you know you know that particular pilot likes a cer certain paint scheme maybe or something like that i i really i would me personally i would like to stick away from names i if i'm in my tank and i'm aiming at you i don't know who the hell's in the tank i don't get that you know information it, you wouldn't uh, even in the novels, you didn't know who was in there unless visually, and you know, it talks about certain pilots would have certain, you know, paint schemes, and you know, you recognize them for that, and so, or mods to their particular battle mech. I think keeping that and names in the matches uh, sort of out, you know, I don't need to know if, you know, Team B and all their pilots in there, I think it'd be really cool just to. Uh, or even if they did have the pilot names, don't tell us what mechs they're in. And then, you know, if they get knocked out, then, you know, process of elimination. Hey, we just knocked out that hunchback. We know it's, uh, you know, Mr. Smith, and he he's the commander for these guys. And then, you know, you press the attack because they might be disorganized and stuff like that. But even then, do you really need to know? And, uh, you know, maybe it does play into that information warfare, you know, uh, like you said, having a mod. Uh, one more thing about this as well. Um, I think it would highly encourage communications amongst players. Because uh, about it. if if your commander doesn't have all the information, he's the one giving orders. That means your communications slash information gathering would have to give him the information regarding what's out there for him to relay to all the other players. I mean, imagine trying to keep track of this on your battle grid i mean if you're looking because if targets are appearing and disappearing because you know you, you lose sight or they move away you know something like that you may have a blip show up in grid you know b2 or whatever and then is that blip the same hunchback you now see in d4 or you know something like that and does that does information progress? Do you keep information on SEDMEC? If you see it again, do you still have the full readouts on it? Or is it one of those things that you have to gather, regather the, the information? I think it adds a lot to it because, you know, information is, you know, so important. Let's move on to the next one. You've got 
Can you tell us how many tech trees are available for the pilots? If you have to upgrade the pilots to get sp special modules, and this is from Grace and Pride. Uh, right now, there are three trees, but that may or may not change at launch. More details about pilot trees will re be revealed in Roll Warfare Month, which I mean, that would probably will have to be next month. I mean, next month, I'm thinking. You know, so more info on that. Um, it would be pretty cool to see these. Tech when trees is in, as well. in game screenshot month? Ah, <laughs> uh, rumor Get back has to me it. On that. Possibly March. I mean, that's what the rumor has it. I mean, from the forums and whatnot. Well, I guess maybe we can poke and prod and see if we can catch anything out there. Ninja Brandon forums. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So the next is besides passive actions such as blocking communications or inhibiting a target lock, will there be more aggressive forms of electronic sabotage such as IFF flipping? sending fraudulent transmissions to enemy units or any other kinds of offensive attacks. Now, granted, they they already said they'll have, you know, the fraudulent transmissions, you know, with these little blips of mechs that really technically aren't there. So that sort of fits in. Um, and they said initially the, the more aggressive forms of electronic warfare are likely to, limit, to be limited in ways of countering or knocking out enemies' own electronic, uh, you know, communications equipment. Additionally, there will be equipment like NARC beacons, tag systems, which don't actually do any damage, but when you get them in a group that's effective, you know, missiles coming in, being more accurate and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're obviously, they'll continue looking into stuff. But what do you guys feel about IFF switching? Because, I mean, in the novels, it, it always talked about how it wasn't something you just flipped a switch in a mech. I mean, it was... And if you... For the military guys out there deal with comms gear, I mean, when you talk about uh, cryptic um, communications gear, like you have to plug up a whole bunch of the stuff, s synchronize it, whatnot, just to get, you know, the, the radio uh, cryptics and stuff like that. So do you, do you think you'd like to see that? I mean, can you imagine you're, you're in a Lance MX and... You're maybe in you're in battle or whatnot, and then you know you see this hostile red, and you go to shoot, and your dude's like, "Oh, I'm getting shot at!" You know, help, help, help! And then you realize you're shooting your own dude. I mean, I I I see why IFF flipping would have a role in a novel or something like that. Like that, it's a nice, convenient way for the good guys to get you know past some nasty bad guys. I think for the purposes of a game like this, it's probably not a good mechanic to include. But I would like to see fraudulent transmissions and maybe a few other types of offensive electronic warfare and sabotage. Yeah, yeah. I agree. IFF flipping is just too... I mean, it didn't happen like a sperm in the moment right. in novels. It was one of those things it's too that... elaborate. Well, even in one of the early novels with Grayson, right? They're, they're fighting inside one of the, the university. And he went and saved Lori. Um, they're finding their way out of the university. It's on fire or whatnot. And they come out and uh, they're in one of the mech bays. And there's a marauder sitting there. And they get in the marauder. They start, you know, moving out. But when they come out, the Grey Death forces that are fighting see the mech. It's an enemy mech on the IFF. It's not like they had time to switch it. And so what did he have to do? He, I mean, 
he had a whole bunch of Inferno missiles pointing at him. I mean, God, can you imagine being in a mech, you know, napalm basically spread over? I mean, you're screwed. And so he basically blew the hatches for the eject, you know. I mean, and so it's one of those things that I don't he think... He had to take drastic measures, so just flipping a switch just doesn't make sense for this yeah, kind of about, situation. Yeah, he about that. And so I don't like the idea of it. I mean, no, I... I I just, I just don't. <laughs> too, too much bad. I don't know. But I do agree that seeing like uh, the fraudulent transitions or something like that would be cool. And you remember, uh, even yeah, we used the Great Death Legion, but um, this is another actual novel. I forget which particular novel it was. It was one of the later ones. Uh, clans were fighting uh, one of the IS units, um, and it was actually a. I want to say the North. Oh no, it's Northwind Highlanders when you know the attack on Huntress. And instead of the using, yeah, instead of <laughs> using ECM uh, against the enemy transmissions, they they basically got the codes and blasted bagpipes. And you know the clans basically would turn on their comms gear to talk to each other, and all they heard was blaring bagpipes and screaming and hollering from some you know incoherent language. And it was basically the Scottish guys in you know their war song. And you know, granted, in game. Would that do really anything? It, no, I think it'd only be negative because most competitive and most guys will be on TS3, and you just sort of I would turn that crap off. Uh, but I mean, you know, Alex would be like, he'd be like crying in sweet tears of joy doing this and whatnot. And I mean, it, it it would be interesting. I don't think we'll see anything like that. I think that they'll include everything that they can as long as it keeps the game playable. And that's fine by me. All right, let's move on to the next one. And this has actually already been asked, but maybe not specifically. And they said, do factions have access to unique mechs or weapons? And that was by Cobra 5. And they said, no, prices may vary, but everyone has equal access to items. That was already hit on before, but they didn't clarify mercs, factions, whatnot. So everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter. And I, and I like this. This is how it should be. Every item should be available to players it doesn't matter what it is now what the buy price of it is like if you wanted just to buy it compared to having to buy it with c bills you know that's that's gonna affect you know people having it and whatnot so you know i think that one's sort of self-explanatory we already talked about it beforehand and i think if they stick with that that'll be a good thing don't make it to where items are not available to everyone don't don't go that route don't be those guys. Not cool. Can you power down like in older games to avoid detection? And that was by Wrathverge. Yes, you'll be able to do this. One of the negatives is you're helpless when you're powered down. But it's the best way to not be detected by others. What I'm wondering though is, uh, with this question is, if you're engaged in battle, you get away for some odd reason, you know, somehow you break, in disengage, you're running hot. As soon as you shut down, does your heat signature dissipate and does that show in real time? Or is it one of those things where people just shut down, boom, you know, your mech's green, you know, you can't see. That I, would be... I suspect because they're pushing that thermal and magnetic scan so hard in terms of the information warfare, that it probably will be a gradual dissipation. And that if someone just all of a sudden turns their mech off and they're in a high metal area like a city, the thermal scan is probably one of the ways you're going to 
one of the tools you're going to have to check to see if they're trying to pull that trick. Of course, you're going to have to think, oh, maybe they've powered down and they're hiding somewhere. I need to go switch to thermal. And if you're not uh, quick enough in the brain to realize that, then you're going to get beat the hell up because the thing's cooling off. And as soon as it powers up when you walk past it and shoots the autocannon 20 right into the back of your mech, you might have a problem. I've experienced some pretty fun uh, power down ambushes. I've been on both ends of them in MWLL. I think it's uh, a, a, an interesting tactic, but not always as successful as people think they're going to be. It has to be very well coordinated. I mean, you yeah. can just imagine shut down in the water. Scout doesn't pick you up under the water using mag scan or you know or something or heat. And I mean, yeah, we've seen it used in successfully and non-successfully in MWLL. I love when you come upon a bunch of shutdown mechs that think you don't know they're there. Well, I mean, I think I think the thing is, I think six questions from now, they answer this, what we're talking about uh, with regards to heat and everything like that. So, yeah. so let's right. move on, is that what you're saying? Yeah, let's, let's move on. Will satellite overview be sort of a ping on the map of all targets, uh, enemy targets, and let's last that last, uh, you know, duration, um, can you be able to hide from it? And they basically said satellite scan is like a radar sweep of the map. Um, we've seen this in games Battlefield 2, 2142 especially, um, revealing information about any enemy positions, but this information will decay quickly. And then on top of that, they basically said, like, they're looking at ways for mechs to be able to not be detected, maybe by being in cover or covered by something. You know, if you're under, if you're in a building, you know, are, is that going to give you away visually or on stuff? And then they also said this is more likely to be true uh, if they implement different kinds of satellite sweeps, i.e. thermal, magnetic, etc. So... I mean, just more tools for the commander, and I like it. So Yeah, just more options. It's a beautiful thing. I'm wondering if you're going to have those counter uh, modules. You know, uh, if you have a scout mech that's all electronics, but you don't want maybe your heavies and assaults to be showing up as much. Maybe there's a module that, you know, it's counter ECM or, you know, counter whatever. Um, I don't know if that would be an option or not, but... Let's move on. Again, we've got a few more questions, and we're going to be moving on to other topics. Basically, the next question was, is there going to be special mechs that have to do with information warfare that are better than others? You know, Rifleman, Cyclops, Raven, stuff like that. And they said, no, uh, pretty much uh, everyone has uh, an open slot, you know, as far as the modules. Everyone pretty much has the same amount in HMAC, so nothing's more special than the other. It's just sort of like what route you take. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, we're going to skip a few because we've already sort of talked about or just sort of hit on already. Uh, radar, as, uh, passive and active. Um, they've already talked about it. Um, and here's the breakdown. Our current plans are for passive radar to have a reduced detection range and limit a lot of electronic and information warfare equipment on your mech as well as electronic communications between you and your lance uh, the benefit is that you become a lot harder for enemies to detect, leading to a greater chance to surprise or spy on them. Now, we've seen this used quite a bit in MWL. You've got mechs that have Guardian ECM. Um, so, one, they can be active and about, and you wouldn't notice. 
or they also go passive, um, and it's just one of those things. Each mech can go passive, but the, when these mechs go passive, you don't notice them until they're shooting you in the back, and you know, uh, I think it's a really cool thing. So you know, it disproves. You know, we said a active or passive, and you will have the options. So, but you're limiting yourself, and you're limiting your team. The question that would come into my mind is, does that really matter for some groups? I would say it doesn't, you know. If you rely on that stealth and, and you got really, really coordinated group using TS3, you don't really need as much information about the team. Uh, or maybe you utilize your scout mix for that and you, your, your main group doesn't even worry about that. Yeah, I, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, I mean, a lot of this information war stuff, information warfare stuff. I love how it sounds, and I love the the granular gameplay that it's adding. But is all the information really necessary? I mean, if we're on Teamspeak together, and we're you know we've been playing together for a while, we're a merc unit. If you just know the positions of the enemy, do you really need to know like whether they're <laughs> <laughs> they've got an ache in the left thigh and all this other Well, I would say it depends. Is your strategy going to utilize weapon systems that need locks? And, you know, can you get locks when you're running passive? Now, pass games, no. You know, LRMs, uh, even streaks or anything like that. Uh, ATMs, you have to be an active radar target and, you know, to get a lock and fire. And so if you're able to lock stuff and pass a radar, I would say that no, but for like how they do it in a lot of games is you can't lock anything in passive radar. You have to be active or uh, you're giving up something, right? You're giving up that information. And it's one of those things that I think it, 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 it will be negated with just a good team that doesn't need to know. And in like MBLL, for example, if you do know from your target lock or whatever where the enemy mech is damaged, then you tend to focus fire on that point to kill them quicker. So depending on how their gameplay is in MWO, that may or may not be the case, but it's possible. So if you're running around in passive and you see an enemy mech, I'm assuming it's not displayed on your radar. It's not, the information isn't sent to your team. It isn't, but we've, we've seen this in MWL. I mean, uh, WIE, Clan Wolf and Exile, we pulled this off in a few matches against some groups and came out act, uh, you know, on top with using um, the SCAT Cs, ERPPC, Clan Goss, running passive in a, uh, in a wolf pack per se, and you know, using you know, elevation of terrain and speed and whatnot. We didn't need to. It, you know, it was one of those things that it, it sort of got negated because the communication of a, of, of a small group that worked really well together. So I would say... No, it doesn't uh, necessarily need. But I think it's one of those things I think we can't judge too early and say, oh, it's going to be completely useless because until we play, maybe it's one of those things that you do always want to know on some level of what's going on around you. So one of the things we missed from the one of the questions that you uh, skipped over, I'm just wondering if it's already been confirmed that they have... Uh, hard location objectives in matches. Had it, had that already been confirmed? Well, uh, you know, I think they said basically, uh, depending on the what the matches are going to be like, you know, like there's going to be different team deathmatch, team attrition, capture the hill, and stuff like that. Whatever you choose, um, 
obviously if it's capture the hill there'd be an objective uh, you know in some location um now they did basically say they're like listening posts or whatever they're not a part of the game but to be able to implement those would be relatively easy and they do have hard locations so you know yeah i, I want to blow up some factories and shit too you know so uh you know sorry if i skipped over that i didn't realize i did and then, you know, let, let's move on to the next because we've got a lot of stuff we still have to cover. And we've got, if I produce a lot of heat, like shooting an Alpha Strike or PPC, um, will it be more easy to spot on the radar? And uh, running with excess of heat won't affect how you show up on normal radar. But you will stand out to enemies using thermal and my girlfriend's making a bunch of noise in the background. Apologies. Uh, thermal vision mode as well as any thermal sensors in the battlefield. So, I mean, right there, I think the ability to cool off and not be shown up on mag, uh, or, you know, on thermal, that's what I take out of that. So, running hot, not only does it affect your performance of your mag, the ability to, you know, do damage, but then also be spotted. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that you're going to want to run cool depending on your environment. That, this is the one here I was referring to um, a couple questions ago. Um, that yeah, I think even if you do power down, you still have that heat that's like going down, but it's still there. So if they look you up, you're there, you're going to show up. So uh, you know, definitely very very cool Q and A. Now, um, obviously with the past one, we got a lot of info too. This one really solidified a lot of this stuff. I mean, you can. We're starting to get a, a pretty good grasp of how things are going to take place when the game comes out. Um, and, you know, really all we need now is in-game footage, you know, real, uh, you know, how does this actual look, you know, what's the actual feel, what's the play, what's the... And, you know, so uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, we've got one interesting forum post, uh, you know, uh, this week that uh, Brandon um, picked out. And, Brandon, you want to hit us, hit us up on that? Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's from Paul, and I guess it's a little bit dated now, since we already know about everything that he talked about. Uh, basically, he said uh, he was too busy trying to pick out what mech to use during the playtest. Uh, at the time, which would have been um, Friday, uh, we didn't even know about a playtest. We didn't know that there was a working version of the game yet. So this post confirmed quite a few things at that period of time. Well, you know, with this, they say trying to pick out what mech to use in the playtest. Now, me personally, I think they have more mechs than what they've released to the public. I think they have more. I mean, obviously, it's one of those things that it's not like they come out with the hunchback and that's when we get the information. They, you know, they pick and choose to release information so they have stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, they picked what mechs they wanted to use for the playtest. And they didn't give us anything new, so, you know, shame on them for not giving us, like, a Centurion or something like that. It'd be really cool. Um, you know, and then that would have been just sort of evil in itself, saying, hey, we're using a Centurion, but uh, you don't get any pictures of it. Just, you'll have to wait. So, all right, let's move on to the forum questions. Now, we had a lot of actually forum questions this time compared to last week, and uh, we've got Halfinex. Um, we've got, how do we think modules will work in depth? 
uh, like described or what do you know PGI obviously that was just covered so we really don't need to go in depth as far as that modules um, the one thing we don't know is if they're going to use this model system for the weapons and equipment as far as the mech equipment right now it's I think they I think we do know that though. they said it would be entirely separate from tonnage and criticals what so, I'm saying I is think... did they create a separate module system for that though like is that are yeah. they using? Are they moving away from the the criticals and whatnot? Uh, the word criticals was used. I, I would say we we just need confirmation on that. Like, is is it going to be a hybrid um, of you know Mech Four? Is it going to be like Mech Two, Mech Three? I mean, I would see if modules could be used for weapons. I'd see it as being something similar to how they're used for equipment, which is just a modifier. So if you had a medium laser, you'd have different modules that might make it more accurate or do more damage, and, you know, you'd lose the other. That's what I would see, just a modifier again, not actual weapon loadouts. Let's get, uh, let's get more ideas from the community on that, because, I mean, there's been a ton of topics, but I mean, really we can speculate, we can talk you know, I think we'll just go in circles. The cool thing is with whatever they choose, obviously it's it's 2012, whenever you change out a weapon or if you have the ability or whatnot, is it going to affect the actual look of the mech? And, you know, it's it's 2012, it should. You know, if I change this AC-10 uh, to a, you know, PPC or an AC-20, it should physically change the geometry, you know. So, you know, are we going to see something like that or... Uh, whatnot so and then his second question is should players be able to have an impact on historical events like the battle of Tukid or perhaps smaller historical events um i mean what do you guys think about that i mean you know one we do know players are going to be able to play the clients uh you know they've said that but they've also stated that you know famous units like merc units and stuff that the events in the history they weren't going to change but what do you guys feel about like participation in but i mean yeah i playing... think i think being able to participate in it is a possibility and that would be fun but i mean they basically said they're not going to change historical events i think we're more likely to have uh be able to take part in hysterical events well uh, matrix online uh might shed a little light in this actually it was a participatory event-driven game, but it was scripted, so it's not like player action had no effect uh, on the outcome, but the overall storyline was, you know, it was pretty much fixed. Like even Could if you defeated, say, a villain. Well, no, say, say there was a big villain, you know, if you defeated it, like, it's almost as if they anticipated the players to succeed in whatever it was right. most of the time. So you defeated the big bad boss, um, but that fed into the next script. So I think if you just sort of shape the experience where, while it might be possible for the players to lose, it would be extremely unlikely, and then you just have some deus ex machina the players do lose that, you know, keep things going on. I, I just think the event itself will be super fun. Again, it's, it's Battletech. I I love player-driven stuff, generally speaking, but 
I don't want to change too much. Like, I'm already pretty happy with how the Battletech universe unfolds, and I would rather... Well, I think this they, is a very be a part narrow... of it and experience it rather than think that I can do it better by my own uh, unit's actions. I think awesome. this is just a narrow focus, though, because, I mean, just like we talked about, okay, let's take Tukiyat, for example. I mean, we know what happened, right? We know, you know, Clan Wolf or this group, you know, basically won, or we know that this IS or Comstar unit won or to this, but you're going to be your own Merc group you can write your name in the sand it's it's not crazy to think that even if you did partake in these battles and you came out on top guess what you won the battle but you lost the war sort of thing you know props for winning but i mean we all know the decisions and i don't think it should be a changing the, the course you know we're not going to see the inner sphere stop the clans at the very beginning it's just one of those well, things that also keep in mind that they did make it very clear that this is an alternate alternate uh, timeline so that basically gives them yeah. room to do whatever they want to do uh as i've been seeing on the forums and whatnot um as soon as we split off or as soon as the game launches we split into that alternative um, from that point onward, all the major historical battles, um, like very important ones, I would like to see as uh, guidelines, but all the smaller little battles and even the uh, borders, I would like to see that all player-driven. Uh, it would encourage role-playing, it would encourage uh, some strategy, I think, to the game. I just think it would be a lot more fun and uh, be able to get some people more sucked into the universe. Yeah, most definitely. Letting the players... Uh... Again, I think historical changing, historical set in game, no. But creating your own, you know, your own sort of story as this, you know, your groups, you know, this is this is our story and this is what we, you know, we did. And uh, it's not dictated to, you know, a, a script per se. I think it'd be really cool. But um, let's move on to the next question. Good question, by the way. Uh, on that. I like that. And this is uh, Canis, and he says, Will there be exploration of Randall's comments about clan weapons and equipment? How do we feel about clan tech being presented in this way rather than classical approach? Now, we just touched on this. Um, I think they should do it. I think they should listen Randall. Do that. Look, they're totally redoing the mech warrior genre. I mean, they're... Focusing on all these new things. Now, I should say new, for, as far as MechWare. They're taking ideas and, and they're making it work. Change it. Let's get away from that uh, stand axe sort of sniping. You know, I mean, uh, some people might say, uh, well, you know, clans are all about efficiency and the more efficient you are. Yeah, but guess what? The people who play the clans aren't going to be clanners. They're going to be guys just like me and you who min-max and guys just like we talked about will find ways to be the most effective as far as on the battlefield. So change it up. Let's see something a little bit different. Um, why, when you see a mech, should you be like, oh wow, they've got a Timberwolf, that dude's going to be automatically sniping. Or should it be one of those things that Oh crap, it's a Timberwolf. The amount of damage it's going to lay waste when, you know, if you let it stay on the battlefield. You know, it's one of those things. Um, 
I mean, we, we talked about this one before. I mean, do you guys have any other, like, sort of comments since last time about it? I mean... I don't think we should shut the door on clan role-playing. I think we should allow the community to rise to the occasion there. I mean, sure, if you allow the, uh, say, the competitive Merc players that, you know, they just want to maximize the returns for their own group, then they can get clan tech as easily as they can get a drink of water, then sure, they're gonna. But if you manage the spread of clan tech a little more, if you balance units and cost and weight, things like that, or implement the clan betch-all system, you might have a bit more luck. Because I don't think that... I mean, obviously, the clans aren't going to have merc units, really. I see them more as fighting in the faction uh, system, where they're trying to take over... The core worlds and the invasion corridors, they're not really having independent units going out there and trying to capture periphery worlds and rule them for the clans. That's not really fitting what they're all about. And so, we're talking about different clan units when we talk about the clans too. All clans are not equal. You've right. got some that are mixed arms, combined arms I should say. You have some... Like, when I think of the Jaguars, I don't think of guys who are s sitting back and sniping. When I think of Jaguars, I think of, you know, yeah, they're pompous, arrogant, you know, belliger I mean, just, you know, but they're really, really good pilots. And it's, it's like, when, I, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking of it almost like clan units are just going to, these smoke Jaguars are just going to rush in and just, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, like, use their experience and... I'm with them there. Um, I would like to see. I just don't. I don't agree with with the proposition that just because the clans are clans in the books, and that if you just give that tech to regular players, that's like for some reason they won't want to try to be the clans. You know what I mean? I think there's a significant amount of people that are still going to want to be the clans. Just in the same way there's a whole bunch of people that want to fly for Davian and fly for Karita. And the Karita pilots, if you're doing Karita in terms of the faction, you're probably picking them because that's your favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And the Karita pilots tend to do the dueling thing, and I am fairly confident that the community knows that, understands that, because we are, at least according to the surveys, pretty familiar with the backstory and stuff. And so the Karita pilots are naturally going to gravitate toward that kind of behavior. I expect the same thing with the Clanner pilots, especially if there is either technical in terms of battle value or weight or cost or some other balancing factor, or cultural slash competitive where they implement a bid system, there are going to be balances on clanners in terms of their raw firepower. I think you're going to find people flying the clans not just because the weapons and mechs are, quote, better, end quote, but because they really like the clans and they want to be the clans in the game. I think that's well, and going I, to be and the I understand that. But what I think the question he's hinting at is he says clan weapons and equipment. That, and it's not a problem. I mean, even if they go with what's been done in the past, you know, they, they, it does a little bit more damage, it has a little bit more range. You're going to have different groups that utilize that or do the close in or whatnot. And I think what he's saying is, 
are, are they going to follow the Randall uh, sort of viewpoint of that's how he always perceived the clans of, you know, instead of having, you know, maybe they do have a little bit longer range or the ability to, to hit, you know, or something like that. But these, these, that, and I think that's the thing, the, the equipment and weapons, like how are they going to, I'm open to it. I'm open to either one. I mean, just like you said, that the clan players, different groups, you're going to have some that like to be at the fringe of battlefield or their weapons limit. You're going to have some that are close range, you know, brawlers. You're going to have some that are mixed groups. I mean, you're, you're going to have a sort of a, a mixing of both. Um, it's, I wouldn't say the question is about the role playing aspect, but you know, the, the issues, some of the clan weapons brought with, it. you know, the balance issues, like what, you know, obviously we just don't know. Um, but well, you're bringing, I mean, if you're a new player, reason. think about the reason that all the clan tech is long range and stuff. It's not just because they had the better technology and that's the way they went with it. It was also because they abhorred close combat and physical fighting. Like, physical attacks were seriously frowned upon. In the inner sphere, it was commonplace because the technology was such shit that people basically fought at knife fighting range. So, I, I mean... <laughs> In the games, it hasn't been a thing because, except for Battletech Solaris, there really was no close combat, collision-y, punchy, kicky type stuff going on. So everything was everything, and there really was no. Uh, so if you're, no if you're a new pilot, there. though, if you're a new pilot coming into MWO, and you have no Battletech history or MechWarrior gameplay in the past. One of the issues I would say in the previous titles um, is players min-max. You know, you may not know anything about it, but you know, hmm, that ERLR laser does this range, does that much damage and that much heat, but then this one says clan ER and it does that much damage, you know. I mean, you, you look at the two, I mean, so it'll be interesting how NWO balances it as far as what attracts players to one side? Because you said you're going to have a hardcore following of everything under the sun. But what about those guys who have never played before? How, what is going to sway them to one side or the other? You know, it, are they going to use the story aspects and hopefully it's rich and dynamic and, you know, sort of like that new stuff we're talking about? You know, why would they want to play the Inner Sphere when. When. Uh... I, I, I can't, I won't be able to tell you exactly how they did it, but planet side, what they used to do is if you logged on, you could see what faction was losing. And the factions that were losing had bonuses. So if you played that faction, you would get experience quicker or whatever. So maybe some incorporating something along those lines. Like if you're playing Inner Sphere, you know, maybe uh, the clans have an advantage, but you gain experience faster or whatever. As far as the tech side of things, I expect cost and convenience balances. Acquiring clan tech for Intersphere players will be difficult, and once they get it, it will be difficult to replace and repair. And I think so, that has to be happening, right? It has to be able to get destroyed. And oh, yeah I, yeah, I expect so. everything to be able to be destroyed. I expect uh, weapons and arms to be flying all over the place. So if you want to go out there with those gold-plated six-shooters, you can. You know, and we, we haven't had any confirmation as far as this, and it's been a heated topic. 
each week. I mean, that thread of destroyed and non-destroyed and permanent destruction and whatnot. I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take a bold step and say to people that think that <laughs> your mech is not going to get damaged and the things on it aren't going to get destroyed in between matches. You guys are idiots. That has never, ever been a part of Battletech, Mech Warrior. I mean, you no, no product connected with that intellectual property has had that component. So, <laughs> when you lose your arm, if there's a weapon in it, it's probably going to be gone. Unless they have some kind of salvage mechanic. Uh, you can take that to the bank, guys. I, I don't think debating it is going to be a good use of your time. There you have it. So I'm going to go out on a limb and also say that I think it's a positive thing if they do have stuff to be destroyed. And we talked about this on the last one. So let's, let's move on. Consequences. Have, yeah, consequences. We do have some more questions. And uh, some of these uh, were drawn up. Uh, and we've got uh, Amaris uh, Cameron. And he said, uh, how would we feel about the initial deployment of clans being players picked by the devs until full invasion or opening the clans for everyone? Which is funny because... At one of our first few podcasts, we talked about this, right? I mean, we talked about players getting chosen by the devs and saying, hey, you know, we actually want you to, you know, abide by Zelbring. We want you to fight, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, which is funny because now he asked again. And, you know, obviously we're not going to talk about it very much because, you know, we've talked about it in length. Um, but then he said, would you like to see tech crews you would have to level up to repair and help armor or swap parts i think this would be really cool and another yeah it might just be another layer on the cake or whatever but i like layers and uh you know as many as i can get you know, it, world tanks they ha you know you have a crew and a percentage i think it'd be really cool to maybe train uh you know have a tech crew or a, a tech or you know whatnot maybe uh the amount of crew you have speed up speeds up the process or lowers your cost or you know something like that um i mean what do you guys feel i mean would that be something interesting or uh it's just another thing that you have to worry about screw it just hit the repair button and let me know how much it's going to cost i think in terms of if you want to do modifications to your mechs uh such as as we talked about in the past if you wanted to swap out your ppc for um say you wanted to put in a large laser the amount of time between that time would be um, depending on what level your tech crew's at I think that would be a very good way to implement that but other than that I'm not entirely sure hmm I mean you could also say higher level your tech crew's at maybe they're better at salvaging parts off of stuff and your costs to repair would be lower well you know it'll be interesting if they implement i think it's another layer um i i see benefits but i also see the the same thing coming twofold it's sort of like adding a step in between a step just to get to the final result you know it's one of those things that it could be you just hit repair and maybe depending on your cost or whatnot i mean if you're and full cost you know it's probably going to be a more expensive for you whereas if your faction maybe the load is sort of put on the shoulders of that particular faction in-house and maybe it, it could be a way to add another option for people like say your merc unit is very active you want to make sure that you have a highly skilled tech crew and you might have to pay them some kind of upkeep cost for their specialties but they'll repair cheaper and recover more salvage 
if your group isn't that active and you don't really want to be bothered with it so much, maybe you pay less upkeep for a lesser skilled crew, and since you're not doing that many fights, you might save money that way. I don't know. Maybe they do it, maybe they don't. I'm sort of indifferent as to how it gets done. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it'd be really cool, uh, but but it, it's not a game breaker for me. And um, let, let's move on again, Amiris. We we talked about the the devs and players being picked. I think it's a great idea, um, but I don't think it'll be done that way. Um, but we'll find out more. I mean, right now it's just speculation. I think it's a really cool, and uh, we talked about it in depth uh, back then. So. We've got Square Spheres post, uh, Square Square, I like home. and uh, he says, if we do see a tournament-style Solaris uh, game type or option, how could the devs combat fighting, fight-fixing? And have we played any games that address this? Um, I've so. got a, a better question. Why would you want them to? <laughs> Throwing fights was part of the whole Solaris thing, man. It's a... Uh... It's gambling, it's it's boxing, it's corruption at times, you know? I'd say I think, keep it in. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, um, EVE has this, the Lions tournaments. Uh, you'll have groups that get all the way to the end, and it's, you've been following it for the whole week, and the last battle will be ongoing. It's almost like, oh, God, this group's going to get rolled, and all of a sudden, everything stops, or one team stops and that lets the other team kill them, and... I mean that's that's a gamble, right? I mean yeah. putting someone's the money in someone's pocket, you know. Um, I would say, is there going to be ability to transfer, or set up something like that, so where you could sort of set up a, a match, you know, um, just to sort of knock someone out, you know, or or get them out of the the, the top spot or whatnot? Like how's how's that? So. Oh, I mean, even speaking of Eve in the Alliance tournament, wasn't it two years ago they had two people turn sides? Well, that was nothing compared to the last one. And what happened in the last one? Um, they had um, two teams basically trained together. Uh, it was two different alliances, and not alt alliances either, like actual separate groups. So they were extremely close friends. They trained together, they shared all their setups, everything like that. They beat, uh, I think it was Razor and Pandemic Legion in the semifinals, so the two teams that trained together were effectively acting as one team. And I think they had some agreement, like they'd split it in half if one team won and the other didn't make it or something like that. So the finals was essentially one team versus one team. And no one really knew that outside of these guys so they started the match off looked like it might be a competitive spirited fight and everyone was looking forward to it and then they uh, had it come down to a certain number of points because one of them had or friends of theirs had bet that the outcome would be decided by a certain uh, point margin or something like that and it was a big fiasco but I mean and that's that's one of the things that when stuff like this happens in EVE, I mean, sort of the saying goes, that's what makes EVE special. And I think with MWO, having the ability to do a lot of these uh, gaming, metagaming things, I mean, it's one of those things you hate and you love. You know, you, you love to read about it, you hate it to happen to you or whatnot, but I mean, that's real, right? I mean, we're flawed as 
humans. We backstab. We manipulate. We, I mean, uh, you know. And so I'm all for uh, fight fixing. You know, if that happens, um, I mean, it is what it is. You know. Uh, now. Yeah, I'm with you. Leave it in. Let the players choose, but. If it's starting to get abused, or if there's some like an exploit, yeah, then it needs to be addressed. But uh, his next question is, uh, how would stables work, and how would fights be? Would it be like F1, where you have your ace pilot and build a team around him? Uh, you know, I, we can sit here at Square and and speculate and describe. I mean, what's been done actually in BattleTech. Um, I think I'm going to stick to our last uh, podcast, where you know Greg basically said, I think Solaris is a great idea. But let's wait for it. Uh, put it out after. Like, let's let the players focus on the main play. Let's get that and then add it in. And I think having as in-depth a thing as you want. I think having the, sort of that dynamic thing of you've got all the battles and stuff going on with the factions, all the merc groups, you know, uh, working with factions, fighting and all this going on. But then you also have this one little planet where it's its own little, um, you know, entity that this basically happens in a small scale you know um with just individual pilots and, t- and teams and all that well so, i've read his question a little differently how would how would stables work well you, you know what stables as far as in the novels right you'd have yeah but how how would you do it specifically phil like say you decided to do that at one point like what would be your strategy well i mean you know you um let's see if you have would a you try to battles, find a superstar and hold on to him, or would you build up a team? Or? Well, and that's the thing, is if you count on one horse, right, and that horse falls through, did you, it's, it's do you put all your eggs in one basket, or you know, do you spread it out? I mean, I guess it really comes down to that person. Do you play the safe route, or you take the more ambitious route? You know, what's at stake? And I think this really has to come down to how the dynamics of the gameplay are. You know, are we going to see permanent destruction? The level of repair cost is it different because it's solaris you know if if you're talking about being able to make big bucks you should also have the possibility of losing big bucks and you know i'm all about consequences i know people you know go on a limb and say oh no you don't want to do that to players yeah you do um and you know i'm all for players feeling yeah i mean it's sort of like growing up right i mean growing up you had you you're on a baseball team or whatever you you won or you lost there was winners and losers but nowadays you've got this whole mentality of everyone's a winner we can't punish the you know the person we can't punish the player well fuck i mean it's that's Personally, real life I blame man. Obama. <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh, we're not get out of here I, I, do wanna, I do want to say one thing though i was obviously kidding if if there's no loss penalty in a situation like that you're never going to have a fighter that's down on his luck scrapping in the like the lowest levels just to keep himself together and then having some kind of awesome comeback that inspires people. Like That's the stuff of boxing movies that isn't going to happen if there's no penalty for losing because no one's ever going to be broken desperate. Because you're not so, fighting for anything, right? Yeah. So I think if, if you really want to have a dynamic environment, you sort of need that sort of thing. Otherwise, nothing's important. And where's the fun in that? Yeah, and I'm I'm all for consequences and and building that you know Rocky Balboa sort of story you know or you know stuff like that. It's 
the little guy, you know, building it up. So let's move on to the next question. We've got Dim um, from uh, SOR, and his question is, how is Warming uh, into a Merc unit going? Um, actually, we're not going to talk about that. We are in the process of deciding on a name. Uh, we are going to be doing something unique. We're not going to be sticking, you know, like I said, I'm not going to be sticking with uh, Phelan JKL or uh, Clan Wolf in Exile. We'll be doing something unique, and uh, we'll actually be talking about it after this. So... As soon as uh, we decide and make it public, you guys will know. So, uh, some pretty cool names. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, even our, our Scottish, uh, uh, you know, skirt wearing uh, guy came up with some some cool stuff. So, now we're gonna move on to Facebook questions. And I have to apologize. Uh, Darren's net dropped out uh, about ten minutes ago, and he's not able to return. If he hops in here, he hops in here. But the show must go on. So. We've got Andreas, uh, and Andreas, uh, his question. Now, this is a, I know this is a lengthy, uh, you know, podcast, but some of these questions, you know, that there's some real concern or, or thought into them, and this one's really simple, but it's got a lot of, I would say, discussion behind it because it goes back for years. Thoughts on legging. Now, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to let you guys ramp up. Guess what? If it's on a mech, you're able to shoot it. Now, how I look at it is if you take the time to like me, you're not taking out any systems that can do damage to you. So it's one of those things that if someone goes around and just legging, now granted, I don't know if we'll see this in competitive play. Uh, you've seen uh, games reinforce leg armor to basically like double, you know, what are the consequences? Can you be leg and is it one of those things where your mech gets blown off and you fall to your side? Are they going to do something like mech commander or something where your leg gets blown off or to the critical point and you have to drag? Now, personally, I want to see is legging happens. Um, if you take the time to aim for my leg or whatever, cool. Uh, if I allowed you to hit my legs and not do anything in back, hey, on you. I don't like the idea of mechs falling over. Um, I saw this gimmick, MechWarrior 3. What did we see? Scats run around, striders, leg, boom, they'd run off. Do mech commander style. I know some people may be, uh, you know, no, it's it, it's it's called a gameplay. Guess what? If I'm legged and you guys run off and you're fighting two, three clicks away, I'm out of the battle anyway. But I still have a chance, right? I mean, um, and that's, able to that's catch how that I, mech. you know, if the that's how I feel about it. Uh, you know, you've got people that say, oh, clans don't leg, whatever. I mean, if it's part of a mech, you're able to shoot it. I mean, that's like saying, oh, well, people shouldn't shoot someone in the back because they've got thinner armor there, and that's not right. Really? I'm sure some people will say that, but hopefully none of them will be developers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, have you ran into this? Has it been a problem? I'm probably going to get banned from the uh, Jaguar server on MechWarrior Living Legends for telling the story. But um, me and Marbo actually go onto the Jaguar server and attempt to lag because we both feel that it's a legitimate tactic. If we're able to get behind, both of us usually run light mechs. I'm in my Cougar, he's in his um, Osiris or whatever he's running in that day. And if we go passive and get behind an Atlas, 
yeah, we're going to hit the legs. You know why? Because hitting the torso or the arms just isn't going to take it down in lights. We're going to hit the legs because, well, it's more effective for us. I think, personally, that lagging is a perfectly legitimate tactic. It's frustrating as hell if you're on the receiving end, but as far as performing the uh, operation, and if you're successful, I think it's a perfectly legit legitimate tactic. I, uh, I think it's perfectly legitimate. I would like to see limbs flying off mechs completely and not just dangling, but uh, if it would require some sort of extraordinary critical hit in order to have that happen, that's fine. If a mech's limb is, you know, critically wounded, commander stop, and you have to limp your broke mech around the battlefield to try to get a PPC shot of a fight that's going on, like, miles and miles away, that's fine. It might suck, but it could also create some epic situations where maybe you do, and you take that well-aimed shot and it turns the fight for your friend. That can be fun. If your leg is blown off entirely, I would like you to fall, but I'd also like you to be able to get back up again and then have to worry about being knocked over again. So you're basically a standing turret at that point. I think that's the mechanic in the game, more or less, and I think that works. You know, even even if you're legged and you try jump jetting, you land on and you fall over and you do more damage. You know, maybe the the harder you try to push, the more damage occurs to other areas, your pelvis. I mean, we really haven't seen the breakdown of how things work, joints, actuators, whatnot. So there could be some really negative implications of pushing your mech, even though it's it's you know critical leg damage. Um, so uh, again, I'll I'll stick to it. I, I agree with you, Greg, that. You know, if your arm gets blown off, or maybe, maybe they will have sections. You know, it won't just be just right arm. It'll actually be, you know, hand actuator, lower arm stuff. It'd be really cool. But I don't like the idea of of legging and basically someone just um, runs around, shoots your leg off, and you're out. Uh, you know, uh, I just um, I, I've seen it happen with MW3, and I didn't like it. I'm not gonna lie, and. Uh, yeah, so a lot, a lot to be said. We'll find out more about that as soon as you guys do. So uh, we'll move on to uh, Glenn Byram. What do we know so far for gameplay? I thought it was going to be mission and objective play, but I've also heard some people say only team deathmatch. What do we know for sure as of now? Now they've stated clearly stated there will be different types of game modes. Um, they haven't stated what exactly, but they've used, you know, team deathmatch, team attrition. They've said a few things like that. Capture the flag. I think what people I'm under the impression of is when it comes to competitive play, competitive faction and mercs and whatnot. I think you're going to have specific like team deathmatch or like maybe even like objectives of destroy factories, destroy this or whatever, and defend this. I think though for every other battle, for those who just want to hop on, you'll get to choose, you know, capture the flag, team attrition, and maybe you just set up those fun battles. I think there will be a distinct difference between something that's planetary and something that's just you want to hop on and blow shit up and get off, you know, maybe play with your buddies. But that's, as far as we know, that's that's what's been stated as far as, team. I mean, they've, they've mentioned team attrition, team deathmatch, capture the flag, sort of those ideas. But uh, just 
I don't know how dated this my information is, but I remember a post specifically by either Paul or Brian, I'm not sure what one it is, and me being the professional form stalker, um, I can assure you that they said something along the lines that at launch we're only doing team deathmatch, but post launch we want to put in absolutely everything we can think of. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it goes in, uh, they've also, the, the same thing stated, they said, planetary battles at first will just be one round you know i fight your you know team a team b team a wins they get the planet but they also said later on what they want to do is implement a system to where it's a stage of battles and so you know it, it really adds to the strategy you know planning what mechs do we bring how much do we bring what do we want to use at the very first matches you know defending attacking you saw a lot of use of it in um the mbt league for MechWarrior 4 um, so, you know, we'll find out more about that because we really, it just hasn't been stated. It's not on paper verbatim, uh, but they've definitely hinted at it now. We don't know if that's strictly Merc, strictly Faction. Um, we'll find out more about it. Um, I'm stoked. Uh, but I think there is, I think out of all this, there's, we're going to see different game modes and we're going to see different game modes used in both competitive planetary and just regular fun and i think you have to have that um just ability to to have those fun matches for everyone because you know it's it's just sort of a, a gimme now some people may not even utilize it. some people may just uh do practice matches and and planetary the whole nine yards um but some people don't want to get into that don't want to bother so Move on to the next one. We got uh, Ryan uh, Willie, and he says, uh, "Wondering what you'd like to see in regards to combat between house forces and mercenary units. How should they fight against and together?" I would like Mercs to be able to hire to do whatever jobs. Um, if you, if I'm loyal to one house, you know, in faction, uh, maybe more profitable missions, but maybe there's a little bit more danger, but I feel like faction will fight faction, but factions will utilize mercs to do their dirty work sometimes and their grind, you know. And you know, let the mercs go in there first, you know, sort of let them let them bloody their nose, and then we'll we'll go in there and finish the job, sort of thing. So, and that's what I sort of look at. I mean, Alec, I mean, Greg, what do you think of that? I think that's pretty close. Um, let me be clear that this is what I hope for, not what I expect to be on launch. I expect to be on launch, just mercs first mercs. But I would like to see the faction merc sort of divider wall fall, at least a little bit, where faction forces can attack a wider range of planets than it sounds like they're currently going to be able to, and mercs can take jobs not only at the rim, but also in the core for attack and defense. And there's more of a competitive bidding system rather than a loyalty-only system where you're not just tied to one faction holding a planet in their name. You're in, acting more like a traditional mercenary in the Battletech universe. And of course, some mercenary units did you know, pair up with a faction and you know, become sponsored or almost like a, a line house unit, like McCarran's Armored Cavalry comes to mind. Yeah. Um, or Aaron Denny Lighthorse, something like that. But there's also, say, 
the Wolf Dragoon types or the Crazy 88s. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of range in the BattleTech universe as far as the mercenary sort of ethos, and I don't remember any <laughs> any house being like, well, that that planet isn't quite on this side of this little line that the devs have put in there. So I, I guess we won't use our huge regiment that's sitting right next door to capture it. I guess we'll have to go use these mercs. I'd like to see mercs actualize mercs, and they choose what path they want to go down to. If they want to be loyal to a faction, do it. If you want to be a actual merc to the price is right, where the money's at, you should be able to do it as well. And, you know, may, maybe that is the case, and I hope that is, to, you know, you can actually build a name for yourself. You know, why would I want to hire the, the, you know, the such and such, you know, group? Well, if you know we're good, we were, you know, it's sort of like uh, your group in, in EVE, combat efficiency. How effective are you? If you're really effective, I think you should be, you know, pinged at all the time to get jobs and do in contracts. Now, granted, that may be later on where there's contracts developed by players and whatnot. I mean, they said at the start it'll be uh, computer-based and, and hosted, but, you know, I'd like to see that. And then it evolve into something more than just um, the players should be able to drive and you should be able to make your name for yourself. So that's that's how I look at it, anyways. Yeah, that's one. That's definitely part of the game that I think player-driven works extremely well and brings a lot to the table. All right, so we're going to be moving on to the last question, um, and it's uh, uh, Green LS Green, and he says, "What do we think of three skill trees?" To be honest, cool. I, I don't know any more details about it, so. You know what do the skill trees do if there's three different ones what are the effect i mean off the top of my head i can think of what mech equipment mech modules yeah yeah frankly what, i'm mech having pilot. a hard time figuring out why i mean with the level of vagueness out there why we should have an opinion about three skill trees do i have an opinion about three skill trees as opposed to like one skill tree <laughs> No, not, not really. I think, I think it's a cool thing to have skill trees in general. I think maybe that's the question we need to look at is I think it's perfectly acceptable. Um, uh, and I think it'll be really cool to because uh, it hasn't been done before, right? I mean, you want to get better with that mech, you're going to stay in it. The longer you stay in it, the better you get. Maybe a little bit better perks you have with it. That makes sense. I don't think it's uh, deviating from MechWarrior. If anything, it's going towards more of the RPG uh, aspects of MechWarrior, which I'm all for. Yeah, and it doesn't sound, I mean, three I, I, doesn't sound too complicated. It sounds like you'll have some variance and some trade-offs, people investing in one tree more than another one, but not a wide range of options that it overwhelms or gets Eve-like in terms of skill. This will take you one year, three months, and 16 hours to, you know, master, which, you know, I'm all for, though, uh, in some extent. That's why I love Eve. You know, you can... You can accomplish one thing and master one set, but you can never master the, the monster that is Eevee, right? I mean, it's just, uh, so. All right, let's move on. Uh, it's been a long podcast. We got a few more things. We got MechWare Living Legends. Um, there actually hasn't been anything released this week, uh, but I do know, and this is in-house uh, again, uh, is, you know, they're, they're pushing hard 
to do a lot of changes and get more content out. And uh, there's actually some cool stuff coming out, like uh, uh, Lear said, and, and more stuff uh, that you know I can't talk about um, that you guys that are playing and those who haven't played, try it out. Um, again, we're not going to... Uh, Put it up on the perch if it doesn't deserve it but it deserves it it's a really really great game and uh check it out so and that's on our form or our website we've got uh mechware tactical command nothing absolutely nothing no information no new nothing <laughs> so it's complete quiet on all fronts regarding information for tactical command just yeah there you have but it but have you deployed the scout max <laughs> um, sure just yeah when <laughs> when you guys know we'll know or when we yeah so let's move on solaris assault tech now uh last week uh, we talked about how you know there was supposed bad blood and we basically chopped it up to you know it's more the community creating the issues and and let them deal with it behind the scenes they're both companies they'll they'll do it right it's and they have and it was announced and uh, both basically uh, mwo came out and and mech tech came out um what I got out of reading this was that MechTech is building this game for virtual pods, the, the virtual world, the, the Telsa pod things. That's what I got it because it said on-site replacement for those, which are still running like MechWare 4 style graphics and whatnot. And that sort of makes sense because the connection with MechTech and the Telsa pods virtual world and whatnot. So. You can almost imagine um, this Solaris Assault Tech uh, putting these pods be really, really cool. I mean, I've heard they're really cool to get into. You know, it's that whole cockpit sort of experience. That's what I got out of that. And uh, props to them. You know, that again, they handled stuff in the background just like we said they would. And if anything, it's it's one more thing to help the community move forward. Um, are those pods still being manufactured? As are far you, as, go ahead. I don't believe they're still manufactured. Um, I think you can get custom ones made, but as for the actual official pods, I don't think they're manufactured anymore. I know there is a group that does it. They bring like 12 of them around to conventions uh, for specifically MechWire, uh, but other than that, I'm not too sure about that. I think there's still places in the U.S. that have them. Like, you know, it's... The virtual world you can go and there's other games as well there it's not just the mechware one battletech um i wouldn't be surprised if new ones were made i mean you've got to update the 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 horsepower in them to do it um this may be something that you know sort of catches on uh, it may be one of those things that you know maybe it's on site when they're talking about like in an arcade a video arcade you know you can almost imagine going and playing one of these i mean I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, obviously we'll find out more, you know, when the information comes out. There's different groups. I think it's um, uh, one of our guys just posted Merc Corpse. Um, yeah, like they're, the, they're the group there that goes around. Uh, you know, it's, all, it's, it's very cool. I've heard it's really fun. Um, I grew up when they were out, but I could never go if we didn't have any around where I lived. So really all we know and obviously you know we'll, we'll continue the development on that and and news um i think and from their statements on their website they were sort of caught off guard and it was one of those things 
if you followed MechTech or MechWarrior, you knew about the project. It was at ModDB. It had been out there since like 2009. The thing with it is, though, we hadn't had any recent updates. And so, I mean, if you did, if you weren't in the know, you didn't really know if it was still in development in the loop, you know, what was going on. And I think what happened is basically that the news coverage happened without their knowledge. I think it was one of those things that they had put it up there and then this coverage just sort of, oh, yeah, you know, most anticipated, you know, and they were like, oh, crap, you know, okay, let's, <laughs> they got to deal with it then. I mean, so uh, probably more foul on the, the news coverage other than just on mech tech. I mean, uh, those guys are amazing for what they've done for the community and they've been around forever. Um, so props to them. Looking forward to seeing more, uh, you know, gameplay development and whatnot from them. And, uh, We'll find out more. So let's move on to our next topic, and uh, you know, we're all things about mechs. Hawken. Hawken is a uh, indie developer team that was developing a mecha game for um, the Xbox. I did not know that they had also announced uh, that it was confirmed for PC. But one of the things that was just announced about Hawken was it was going free to play, which everything seems to be going that route. Um, if you haven't checked this out, it's a really, really cool game. Um, at least for gameplay. Is it MechWare? No, it's not Battletech, but it's a mecha game. And, you know, we got to support all things mech because, you know, all things mech make things better for us in general. Um, so check it out if you haven't. Uh, YouTube videos and whatnot, Hawking, um, and, you know, it looks really fun. Uh, if I had an Xbox, I would probably play it. Am I probably going to buy it? Probably not, because I'll be involved in MWO. Um, but it's definitely something some people enjoy. It's a little bit more, uh, I think, uh, arcade-ish. At least that's how I. It reminds sort of me a lot of Unreal Tournament style. Yeah, with mechs. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry, we'll be playing the real game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the real Mech Warrior. Please stand up. Uh, it looks really, really nice. It was. It's developed on the Unreal Engine. Um, again. I was told it was confirmed for the PC. I don't know if that'll change the development times, the look, the feel. I mean, I, I, you know, it is what it is. I mean, me personally, I'm not probably going to bother with it because um, I know where the real stuff is. But so there you have it. Again, we got a few things, uh, you know, coming up uh, with the new website, direct feedback from you, getting all that stuff. Uh, again, we'd like to thank uh, Adam, uh, who's working behind the scenes on that. He's doing an amazing job putting a lot of time and effort into it and you know it means a lot to us and hopefully those tools will be available to you the community very very soon and uh, I just want to say thank you to the community um, you know right now uh, we've got numbers through the roofs we we had no idea this many people would be listening to the podcast and it's really uh, you know I'll, I'll stick to it this game and and this and Battletech and MechWarrior and specifically MWO is only as big as we want it to be. And um, I'll continue to guide, you know, NGNG in that route of being that positive influence in the community. So, again, thank you for you guys' support out there. It's been uh, it's been explosive. I mean, the amount of people that are listening. So, um, and we'll get you that information. But I can tell you, it's between. And this is just the last podcast between, and we don't have exact numbers, so we don't want to say, oh, it's this. It's between five to 10,000 listeners. Um, and it's only, it's growing every week. 
every week. So uh, a lot of a lot of people. I mean, I never never would assume there's that many. So very very cool. And that's about it, guys. So um, I want to thank Alex uh, behind the scenes doing all this editing. I mean, this has been like a two-hour one. We know it's lengthy, um, and he takes the time to do all this. So again, our you know skirt-wearing Scotsman, right on. Appreciate all the work. So this has been your local No Guts No Galaxy MechWare podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. This is Philip. It's Greg. This is Brandon. And for Darren, also good night as well. Until next time, MechWarriors. Like a Jaguar